You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everyone? Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot are here. I, I see some people in the comments. Is everything okay? We were supposed to start 10 minutes ago. Well, really, we were supposed to start like a half hour ago. Uh, but, you know, we're kind of getting all running out all the kinks here, trying to get them all out of the way. We get back into, you know, uh, practice mode. There's there's probably going to be some practices here over the next couple of weeks as we get into OTAs and minicamp. Some great news uh, dropping today. I'm Matt Perino. He's Ryan Talbot. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. I'm going a mile a minute because there's so much to get into, Ryan. It's so great to kind of be back on the out on the practice field, see some actual tangible football, even in a limited capacity, which phase two uh, really is at rookie minicamp. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah, you could, you could tell even the Bills fans were excited to see the videos of the rookies uh, at today's rookie minicamp being shared by yourself, by Marcel, and a lot of others. Uh, you know, the regular season is still months away, but fans can't get enough football. They, they want to see those draft picks in action. And, you know, one of the reasons we're starting now is Matt just published his observations on today's rookie minicamp. And that's what we're going to dive into here today. So is there anywhere specific, Matt, that you want to get started? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple really fun things. Now, I will say for the most part, it, it wasn't some, um, you know, big uh, detail-oriented practice where, you know, we get into some of these training camp post-practice reports and there's a ton to get into. I got to unpack my notebook. There really wasn't a lot of stuff, some highlights that I that I want to get into. But first and foremost, like this video if you're watching right now on YouTube, hit that sub- subscribe button as well. Also, find us on all the audio platforms. We do usually do this shout-out at the end of the show. Uh, but I want to publish it or uh, pub it a little bit here as we uh, want to start driving people to the audio platforms as well. Because the cool thing about the live show is that you could participate in the live show. But I also want you guys to have this at your fingertips if you want to go back and listen to it or, or, or pick up where you left off. You have more control in that audio platform style. Um, but I think the best place to start, Ryan, is probably Gregory Rousseau and Boogie Basham. Because I think that walking out onto the practice field today, that was like one of the first things that I was looking for. And, you know, luckily for us where the media stand at the edge uh, of the two fields, 
is you walk in and you're parked right at the defensive line uh, portion of practice. And that's where I kind of spent the most of my time as the team was in individual groups uh, doing some, some, some one-on-one instruction, some positional instruction. And the first observation I had is just simply, man, you, you get to thinking about what happened last year and what we're experiencing on a day like today that the entire rookie class from last year, and that includes A.J. Epinesa, Zach Moss, Dane Jackson, Tyler Bass, a whole group of players, all the UDFAs, they didn't get to participate in this last year. This this rookie minicamp really install-heavy portion of the offseason, this was all done virtually. And listen, you, you can do it virtually, and I think that that's, that's fine. But just to see it play out and, and seeing the interactions, the two sides of the field – where we're able to see you're really able to, to kind of dig in and watch the defensive line and then the defensive backs because they're on kind of those two sides. You can walk back and forth and, and really hear the instruction from John Butler, the DB's coach, or Eric Washington, the defensive line coach. And, you know, my big observation today is just how much he was able to kind of get into his guys one-on-one because there's four defensive linemen uh, at this um, rookie minicamp. Uh, Boogie Basham and Gregory Rousseau are obviously the featured guys, but they also have two tryout players in Nazir Jones and Eddie Vanderdus. Um, but really, let's be honest, Eric Washington is using this period of time to work with those two first and second round draft picks on the defensive line to coach them up, to, to tell them what to, to expect when you get to training camp. Of course, they're installing some plays and getting into the playbook, but I think today was really about – getting them comfortable and starting to throw some things at them and, and see how they respond. And I think you saw the videos that I tweeted out, uh, a lot of uh, fans engaging with all of that. You can see even Basham. I know that we've talked about Rousseau and, and the get off from him is what really impressed Brandon Bean and the Bill scouting department. The quickness on both of these guys was evident in these videos. Yeah, I agree with that. I love the videos that you shared and that we saw on social media today. And I think you just nailed it, though, in that first observation. You know, yeah, you can do rookie minicamp via Zoom and online, but it's night and day difference between actually being out there on the field and being over a computer because Eric Washington, for instance, gets to see their technique for up close and personal, and he can critique them. He can tell them what to do differently and give them some advice. That's a lot different than being in a Zoom meeting and saying, here, you know, here's the scenario, here's what you can do. Uh, you might be able to install the playbook that way, but being actually out there on the field, being able to coach up these players is such a big advantage uh, compared to where they were one year ago. So I think that's going to help guys like Russo and Boogie Bash and get up to speed that much faster. Now, one thing that I saw uh, commented online here was the fact that it looks like there's still a lot of room for Russo to grow physically. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw that, that Marcel said that you were talking about that with him. I saw that Chris Trapasso, a uh, guest that we had on recently, was saying the same thing. It looks like you could literally add another 25, 30 pounds to his frame. Is that correct? I mean, probably. I, I think that as his body develops, his frame will take on probably a different look, but I think that you can, you know, move things around a lot. One of the things that, you know, hearing Rousseau talk about uh, graduating early, I think it was maybe on the Jim Rome show, he graduated high school early. And so he, he did that because he wanted to start working on his body. He knew he was going to go and be a defensive lineman at the college level. And he wanted to start, you know, tinkering with that. And obviously he put on weight and put on size as he, and as his career went along. And I think that that's been a focus this last year, but let's be honest, this COVID year has been kind of funky for everybody. So I think 
what's happening now is he's getting in here and, you know, he's able to kind of meet with the training staff, which is, again, is such an advantage. You know, AJ Evanessa, they were toying with his body, uh, what they wanted that to be from a distance. You know, they, I remember them saying that, you know, a lot of those guys were working out in, in makeshift garage gyms. And now Gregory Rousseau, um, gets to, to be in the, the Bills state of the art practice facility, uh, uh, strength and conditioning center. And, and that's a huge advantage. And, and I think that we'll start to see incremental, um, improvement in his body over the course of just this next couple of months, because you get that attention. He's going to get a full workout plan when he gets locked and loaded here, kind of see what they, what the expectation is for him. I'll be interested to see, you know, how things go in terms of the, OTAs and minicamp, like how many people show up. I think that that's still something that is a concern, uh, you know, for teams as, as the NFLPA has been very adamant about, you know, instructing their, their players, their reps that listen, we, we liked how last year's off season went. Uh, we don't think that there's a, a need to, to go ahead, but at, and do it like they used to do it. But if, if everything that's happening right now in the world, I mean, the CDC coming out with new mask mandates, um, the NFL just sent out a memo, Ian Rappaport tweeted it, effective immediately fully vaccinated tiered staff and players will not be required to wear masks anywhere in the club facility, either indoors or outdoors. So, I mean, this is going to change the collective projection here of what this is going to look like. And I think, if there's a all clear here in the next couple of weeks to kind of get everybody together for mini camp, I feel like that's a good situation for these younger players to kind of get them up to speed as we look ahead to training camp. Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's I know it's a controversial topic among some of the players right now, but uh, the fact that the NFLPA came out and said this, that that's a big step. That's an, another step forward to some normalcy in the locker room. Uh, it's another step closer, even, you know, from another perspective to a full stadium uh, come September. So, it's back to hopefully normal for the players, the coaches, the staff, but also the fans in this, uh, the Bills fans that have been waiting to attend a Bills game at, I, I keep always forgetting now, Highmark Stadium. Uh, yeah. it's, it's tough. I want to call it the Ralph. I want, you know, New Era still is in my mind. So it's tough to kind of get used to. I feel like I've been calling it HMR or wait, HMS. And, and somebody commented the other day, I'm like, what the heck does that mean? It's like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm toying with some different things of what I want to call it. And somebody else just said, just call it the Ralph or call it the Rich Stadium. Uh, I saw Lone Wolf in the comments here on YouTube. Uh, he asked about Isaiah Hodgins since he was hurt all of last year. Would he be able to be in the virtual stuff? He was not there. And as a matter of fact, none of the rookies from the true rookies were there from last season. And I think that that's, uh, um, I, I, I can't remember I, I would imagine it's probably in the collective bargaining agreement that once a rookie goes through mini camp or their scheduled mini camp, I don't know, even though the one was canceled last year, they're not eligible to participate in years for, in future years. Now I, th I would imagine it's different for UDFAs because Nate Becker obviously participated uh, Christian Wade and, and or Antonio Williams was there as well. Um, Christian Wade was there, but he's also, he's, he's in a completely different pile of players because of the, um, uh, international pathway program. Yeah. And, and I can't remember if the first time it happened or not to Antonio Williams was, I think he was caught right before rookie mini camp too, or something with the, maybe, maybe he made it through that right when they said they had to cut down numbers, he was one of the first ones. So that might be a reason he's there as well. I did see a question in the comments about quarterback. It's Zach Smith. Uh, he's a tryout player, quarterback out of Tulsa. So 
that's who is throwing the ball today and will be throwing the ball at this rookie mini camp. So uh, just to kind of keep everyone up to date on that. Yeah. Uh, Zach struggled a little bit today. It's funny. I was kind of looking down as they were doing the 11 on 11 work and I wrote it in my um, observations. They can do it, but it has to be half speed. And all of the receivers that were catching passes immediately went down when they caught the ball. So zero contact. You can't even kind of threaten contact. And so it is a very dialed back version of practice. They they did some one-on-one work. Christian Wade had the highlight, and I guess we could talk a little bit about him because I'm working on trying to get him because I thought that, you know, he looked – it's such a cool storyline now that in this rookie minicamp that Christian Wade, this guy that just started learning football two and a half years ago, now sits here in rookie minicamp. And I know it's just rookie minicamp, but he's kind of like the vet that can probably show guys around like, hey, I've been I've been in the facility now for two years. Like this is an old, this is old hat for me at this point, uh, running through a practice, like, you know, non-contact, you know, there's probably a lot of younger players, whether it be Antonio Williams or, um, you know, some of the other offensive Marquez Stevenson was there. Isaiah Ford, who uh, AFC East, you know, Bills fans that are familiar with AFC East know that he was in Miami, got traded in New England and went back to Miami. Uh, friend of Zay Jones uh, connection there as well. I'm, I'm, I, I don't remember that. Did, did they play at USC together? No, I want to say that um, Ford was at Texas A&M, I think, in college. Um, but Isaiah Ford, really cool little tidbit here. Best game of the season last year, week two against Buffalo. Seven catches, mm-hmm. 76 yards. All seven receptions went for first downs. So when the Bills were looking at players to kind of bring in for a tryout, I'm sure that was high on their list because they remember firsthand how he performed against them uh, last year. One other funny note about Christian Wade, even though you said he had the highlight, he turns 30 tomorrow. I know. He's attending a rookie mini camp and he will be 30 tomorrow. So, uh, you know, a little bit of irony there, I suppose. But, you know, good for him, though, for obviously sticking with this. It sounds like he had a great uh, day or a highlight at least. And maybe there's an outside shot for him. The Bills didn't draft a running back. Uh, they're, they're kind of coming in with a similar look. Obviously, they signed Matt Breeden in free agency, but. Not drafting one gives Christian Wade a shot, and that's all he really needs maybe to, to surprise and make this roster. Yeah, and the highlight was just, I mean, he I can't remember the exact person I was against. I I believe it was Tarek Thompson, the, the safety, but I, I don't know for sure uh, because right on the next play, we were kind of all waiting for Marquez Stevenson, who was the next person in line. You know, want to see the afterburners, want to see what the speed was all about. Uh, he didn't really have a good rep. I filmed it, but I didn't put it out there because it was kind of like a bad throw from from Wilson. Uh, Zach, no, wait, what's his name? Zach. His name? Uh, Zach Smith. Zach Smith. Um, Zach Wilson. Uh, they'll be playing him two times <laughs> this season. Um, so I didn't put it out there, but I, I thought that uh, Christian Wade, I mean, just looked like a man amongst boys uh, on a couple plays, even in the 11 on 11 work, as he should. I mean, he's been, you know, I know that Bills fans haven't seen him for you know two years now since that yeah, unbelievable preseason run that he had but he's been in practice he's been running you know on the scout team he's been working on special teams uh i thought it was interesting that all of the players went and participate except for the defensive tackles in special teams work so that'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see if they can find a role for maybe even a gregory rousseau in year one on special teams i mean i wouldn't rule that out i mean sean mcdermott always talks about adding value and that would add major value i mean if you think about it, 
body style, you know, he compares a bit. He's much bigger and taller and, and just bigger overall than Daryl Johnson. But, you know, that makes Daryl Johnson, I think, a little bit expendable. I, I almost feel like you've upgraded that, you know, body type and that skill set at the position. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out as well. Yeah, Daryl Johnson, I mean, that's how he's stuck on this roster the last few years as, as defensive end depth. It's because of his special teams play. And uh, I thought that there was still an outside shot he could make this roster this past season after the Rousseau pick, but then they pick Basham after that. So unless a, a veteran goes, which, you know, I'm not going to sit here and predict in, in mid-May that, that a Jerry Hughes or Mario Addison will go, but if they stay and you have the two rookies and you signed F.A. Obata, who, again, not guaranteed to make this roster, but the numbers game is not in Johnson's favor. It's not in uh, Mike Love's favor. Any of these other guys that have been on this roster for the last few years is kind of hanging on, whether it's main roster practice squad, they're looking to upgrade that spot. So if you can get a Russo out there on special teams, uh, you know, that obviously hurts Johnson's odds at the end of the day of making this final roster. Quentin Morris, I see that question in the comment section. He's the other tight end along with Becker uh, on the roster. I thought he made one really good play. I believe it was DeMar Hamlin that was in, in coverage. And again, it's just a quick boom, boom play. I mean, in the 11 11 work, there really wasn't anything downfield that happened uh, of significance. A lot of it was quick hitters. And again, Zach Smith was, you know, struggling a little bit to deliver the football. Um, got to see uh, Elijah Griffin out there a little bit. I thought he was pretty deliberate in the individual work. And uh, I guess like, you know, it's hard to really glean much from, you know, what they're doing. I, I think this is still very, the early stages and you heard the coaching staff, especially the DB coaches kind of screaming out at them, you know, directives of, of what they want to see, uh, you know, how they adjust to certain things, how they do different things um, in those drills. But I, I thought that he looked pretty good out there, especially in the 11 on 11 work when I saw it. But Morris is fast. Morris is a an athletic uh, type of uh, tight end. I, I'm not familiar with him from his college days, but, you know, a, a UDFA that they bring in here. And, you know, I, I'm kind of excited to see what he can look like in, in camp. And I think in a lot of ways, Ryan, I mean, Nate Becker was the, the, the the practice squad tight end this past season. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to get a little bit more of a look at Quentin Morris and maybe he's able to earn that practice squad tight end spot this year. Yeah, Morris was uh, ranked a lot of, on a lot of those undrafted free agent boards as one of the, the better signings. So there's a shot. He had a good career at Bowling Green. He, he, like you said, athletic frame, athletic build, moves pretty well. Uh, Nate Becker, to his credit, he came in a few years ago when the bills were dropping like flies at the position, and he picked up the playbook pretty quickly. He, he fared well at training camp, and that helped him stick around on, on the practice squad all this time. So he's far from a guarantee. Quentin Morris could absolutely take that spot, and it could be a guy that you sit there and you want to develop and hope that maybe you can turn him into a, uh, a player on this 53-man roster. I, I saw a question in here kind of bills related about one of our former friends here side note kelvin i was gonna bring that up at the yeah, end yeah he finally had the popeyes biscuit he was one away according to booger mcfarland <laughs> from being a tight end he finally had it last year because he wasn't anywhere in the nfl so bulked up and, and you know so is I'm the not, now i've not seen the entire report i just saw mm -hmm. that they were bringing him in for a tryout he is trying out to be a tight end as a tight end yep that was wow. the report today okay. out of uh the espn giant beat reporter uh, said that he was trying out as a tight end. And again, you know, good for him. If he can stick in this league or come back to this league 
in in some kind of way, shape, or form. You can't hold it against them. But it's again one of those cases of it's not what you know; it's who you know. Look at who the uh, general manager is there in in New York. It's someone that drafted him, brought him into Carolina. It's the same thing as the Tim Tebow, Urban Meyer. It's just one of those things where if you have a connection to a player, yeah, it's most likely going to get you that extra opportunity. And if you can make the most out of it and stick on that roster as as a tight end, more power to him. But there was no path for him as a wide receiver. They've really loaded up at that position via free agency, via the draft. So uh, I think that maybe tight end was the only way he could probably get uh, a return call, at least to come in as a rookie uh, into this rookie minicamp for a tryout. I know everybody likes to throw their Calvin Benjamin jokes around and far be it for me to um, tell anybody how to uh, go about their comedic uh, practices. But I will say about Benjamin is something that always stuck out to me about that 2018 season, as bad as it was, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, there were times when certain players, you know, you could tell just didn't want to answer for it. You know what I mean? That the, the, the horrible play, some of the blowouts, you know, and, you know, Zay Jones to me at times was one of those guys. And uh, I, I liked Zay. I liked interviewing him. Calvin Benjamin always showed up in his locker ready to talk about whatever anybody wanted to talk about. So I think that did he have a bad attitude at times? Potentially. But, you know, from my perspective, and I can only talk about that perspective, being in the locker room and, and, and having a chance to talk to guys. I think that Calvin Benjamin is a guy that, you know, the mental part of this game is something that we don't talk about enough. And and what I mean by mental part of it is how players deal with setbacks. And like when you're constantly injured and you're you're having a rehab and even when you rehab and you're back, you still don't feel right. Like I, I think Harrison Harrison Phillips can probably write a book about that at this stage after two massive injuries that set him back two times, once in college and once in the NFL. I mean, the this, this psyche of a player, not everybody's built to come back from that and maybe not even come back from that right away. Maybe Kelvin Benjamin needed to step away from the game for a while to figure things out. So I think to your point, it's it's almost like you root for the guy at this stage to, to make something out of it, a former first-round pick that um, you know had, so, had some really good um, games in Carolina, especially as a rookie. I remember having him on my fantasy team that first year, and I wonder if that's maybe why – I have a soft spot uh, <laughs> for him, but I always thought that he kind of was somebody that I really enjoyed talking to and respected the fact that he was willing to wear it when things were going bad. Um, on a separate note, because I want to get into some more um, observation stuff before we get out of here quickly. One of the big takeaways today, um, somebody's asking about Hamlin. Not a lot on uh, on the secondary guys. Uh, hopefully we get to get out to an OTAs practice where I can dive in a little bit more. We'll be able to at least see them going full speed. Uh, so I didn't really have an observation on Hamlin today. He didn't do anything that really stood out in any portions of, of the practice. Um, but I did want to talk about Jack Anderson because this is a really interesting storyline for me because you look at the depth that the, the Bills have added on the offensive line. Like they brought in Forrest Lamp. They're they're returning Cody Ford, John Feliciano, Ike Butker, Ryan Bates, who really, when push comes to shove, can play some guard as well. I know he's more of a center tackle, but he can play some guard. And he's almost like the poster child for like their program and what they want offensive linemen to be, especially those depth guys. Bobby Johnson basically, you know, looked at Jack Anderson when he got to town and said, Listen, we're gonna line you up at center. 
you're a right guard. You only played right guard at Texas Tech. But if look at this roster, look at look at your path to a roster spot. You are going to have to provide versatility. And if you want to get, if you want to dress on this roster, you're going to be able to have to uh, from a bench role. You're going to need to have to do several different things. So we asked him about that. The transition to playing center, not only playing center, but literally coming in here day one, having to learn center, right guard, left guard as a guy who only played right guard. And he said in college, I'm looking forward to the challenge. Like this is something that I want to do because if you learn center, then you learn everything really. Cause you've got to kind of tell everybody else what they're doing out there. And he said that, you know, he wants to add that value and he, and he's up for the challenge. I think that it's, he's a really interesting name to kind of monitor here as we move along, because that type of versatility, we talked about it, Ryan, it's going to be hard for a lot of these rookies to make this roster because of how good and how stacked they are. If Jack Anderson could come in here and you know figure out a way to make himself, um, you know, playable at all three interior positions, that really gives him a, a fighter's chance. Yeah, it gives him a shot, and that's all you can ask for, especially being a, a late pick in, in the draft. And Brandon Bean actually kind of talked about that at the en- end of the draft this past season, uh, about trading down, adding those extra picks, because undrafted free agents would be hard to come by in terms of signing here because of the roster as solid as it is. So maybe he doesn't make the roster, but the Bills stash him on their practice squad. They value versatility. So one year learning the ropes, learning to play center, showing that you can play guard a year to pick up the playbook. That could be huge for him because, you know, Mitch Morris is great, but you don't know how much longer Mitch Morris's time here in Buffalo is. He's had a concussion issue in his first two seasons. First year, he missed most of this, the off season with, in terms of training camp and the preseason this past season, he suffered one in season and missed some time as well. Uh, he's been able to bounce back each time. So maybe he does play out the duration of this contract. Either way, the Bills do have to start thinking long-term, and maybe Jack Anderson is that long-term option. And this year it's more of a let's stash him, let's hide him away, and then see what we have in this guy, and then maybe roll him out in 2022. Uh, Elliot asks, who looks bigger in pads, Russo or Brown? And I will say, unfortunately, I really want to dive into that offensive line a little bit. Uh, they were at the completely opposite end of the field, uh, so about 110 yards away from where we were standing. But I will say – you were able to see Tommy Doyle and Spencer Brown from even at a distance because they are so freaking tall. These dudes are just like unbelievable specimens. I will say probably of the three, Tommy Doyle to me is like the the, the stockiest of the group. So it's seven two or seven two at six eight. <laughs> Uh, if we had a seven, two offensive lineman, hell of a story, this camp, that would be a, a fun time. Um, Harold asked, did anyone's have to sit out today due to injury? No, they have 24 players. So, uh, that, that are here. I, I wrote up that a little bit as well. Kind of, uh, who the players are, uh, in terms of UDFAs, draft picks, first year players and, uh, and the like, what are you guys most excited to see going into regular training camp? Why don't you take that, Ryan? Oh, you know, I, I'm going to go to the running back position. I know this team is just stocked at wide receiver. I know that they're a passing offense. But if you've seen the work that the running backs have been putting in this offseason, it's exciting to see that they're, they're kind of accepting the challenge, so to speak. I think they know that a lot of people, fans, a lot of people were talking uh, about how maybe the backs had, were the issue last year and there's all the talk about ETN. There were mock drafts having Najee Harris being the pick for the Bills. So you've seen the stories on Devin Singletary 
uh, training, adding that extra gear, so to speak. You've seen that he's in, in probably the best shape of his young NFL career. You have Antonio Williams, who cut, uh, re-signed, cut, re-signed all of last year, and then he finally stuck on that practice squad for a while, re- debuted in the end of the regular season and ran all over the Dolphins. And, of course, uh, Zach Moss coming back from injury, obviously. Matt Breida, uh, yard per average machine early in his career at the 49ers, and the fan favorite, Christian Wade. So there's a lot of in- intriguing storylines there. I know that um, this Bills offense is still going to be throwing the ball most of the time. They're still going to be going through the air, but I'm interested to see how these running backs look, how they accept the challenge, uh, so to speak, in terms of where the blame fell last year a little bit, at least from maybe some fan perspective uh, in terms of their struggles on the ground. Ryan, I got some tickets. I bought some tickets. Okay. I I, I didn't buy (laughs) some tickets. I have some tickets. And I'm going to park myself in whatever seat I can find at training camp to watch the one-on-ones between the defensive line and the offensive line. These are going to be some of the, I think from the time I got here, some of the most anticipated, you know, camp battles since I can't remember when, I mean, the talent on both sides of the ball on the line, you know, from a rookie perspective to some of these veteran presences, I mean, Look at, I mean, you, you got a situation where you have two like, you know, vets and Deion Dawkins and, and Daryl Williams at this point going up against some, some young blood, you know, in, in Gregory Rousseau and Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa. I mean, those are going to be some fun battles. Ed Oliver um, in, in a huge year coming into this year, he'll be able to go up against some of these young, uh, young bulls inside. Ike Bucker is a guy that's back in the mix, Feliciano, but you know, a guy like Jack Anderson is somebody that, you know, I'm going to be looking for how they kind of hold up because the guys that really raise their game in those moments, I think that this coaching staff, you know, that, that opens their eyes. Uh, Ryan asked, can we get some chatter on Rousseau lining up as the swing tackle? All right. On that note, we're probably going to get out of here. Uh, Final thought, Ryan. Yeah. Final thought. It's just exciting that actual football is back players on the field that, you know, rookie mini camps, not, uh, for a long time, obviously, but it's going to be a good time seeing everyone out there covering this. So keep your eyes on NY up and Syracuse.com. We'll have you locked in with as much information as we possibly can share. Yeah. Not, and I mentioned it, I think earlier in the show, but I saw one question, how do the receivers look uh, over on Twitter or our buddy Ned hunt over there? And really there wasn't a lot from the receivers today. Uh, Marquez Stevenson, Trey Walker, Isaiah Ford, you know, I, I think part of it was just the quarterback play uh, in, in the team drills. Uh, didn't get a lot a chance to really look at them too much in terms of individual work, just from where we were positioned on the field. I had kind of, was looking for Marcus Stevenson and, and really there wasn't a big play that, that he was able to pop in, on this day. But listen, it's the first day of rookie camp. I mean, we're, we're about to, you know, unwind this entire summer schedule here as we move hopefully now towards an OTAs that maybe has some better attendance and maybe, uh, you know, more practices that are open to the media. We'll be able to dive into it uh, a little bit more in the future. Guys, thank you so much. Late on a Friday, right before you get out of work for joining us, hit that like button and subscribe button on YouTube right now. While you're here, you'll always get those notifications when we go live and every practice, every camp practice, Ryan Talbot, Matt Perino, we will be right here to break it all down for you. We will see you next time. Have a great weekend.